how am I? Uh, I'm in an interesting stage of my life. I don't really know what I'm going through right now. I think that's the hardest part. After my 27th birthday, which was May 2nd of this year, I got overwhelmed, overworked, and lost kind of direction. It was it was just like scary. I didn't know. I, you know what I mean? I was so confused. But I do think that this is a massively pivotal moment in my life. And I wanted to do this podcast with you. Like this one. I'm not going to go on other podcasts and talk about this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by Surf. And this is the podcast where we teach you how to grow on social media by talking to people who have actually done it. People like Hayden Cashin, who has over 100,000 followers on his TikTok at Hayden Cashin, but also over 100,000 followers on his TikTok at Modern Marketing. You might know him by one of those two handles. Or if you're an OG, you might know him as Ginger Ninja or Hayden Nar. And I could not be more excited to have him on the podcast today. Hayden, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jacob. It's an honor to do this show again. You're my favorite podcast host and one of my favorite people in the world. So I'm excited to get into it. I appreciate that, man. You've been my favorite guest. I think I can say that six yeah. times you've been on the show, three times as a guest, two times interviewing me, one time as like both of us. Uh, this is episode 200 and I couldn't think of anyone better to do episode 200 with. So I think we should take a moment and just appreciate this sound of silence. Did you catch the reference? Oh, shit. Oh, no. You know what's funny? It's while you're doing that intro, the reason I was smiling so hard is because I'm like, I know he's going to ask a banger question, number one, that I don't see coming, and I'm like so excited to hear it. So feel free. Sound of Silence was just it was your first yeah. album. Yep, it was. My, my first and only. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to know where I want to start. I just want to know, who are you? Uh, my name's Hayden Cashin. I'm 27 years old. Um... I'm really into marketing. I'm really into playing golf. I'm really into personal development. I'm really into laughing and having a good time with my friends. Um, that's kind of the top, top, top interests. I'm glad you answered it that way. And now it's like this, like because a lot of people when they hear, "Who are you?" they respond with what they do. Yeah, it's one of the things, but not everything. one of exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad you answered with kind of the full spectrum of things. Mm -hmm. And for the second question, then it's how are you, and how are you really? How am I? Uh, I'm in an interesting stage of my life where I think when you do something for so long, for so long, for me it's been three years, but going really hard, at some point you hit kind of a, a moment of things start to feel different. And I'm going through that right now, that evolutionary change. And I'm not necessarily struggling with it, but I'm experiencing it. Explain that distinction. So basically, I don't really know what I'm going through right now. I think that's the hardest part is my whole life, every time, I've never had stress. I've never had anxiety um, my whole life. You know, if it ever came, I could, I could see what it was and address it and fix it. Oh, this client's causing me stress. Oh, I've been working too hard. Um, oh, this, this, you know, personal relationship is, is taking a lot of energy from me and just address it. After my 27th birthday, which was May 2nd of this year, and right now it's July 28th, I think, um, it kind of was the moment where, and I don't think it was triggered by the fact that I turned 27. Maybe that has some psychological nuance to it. But I think it was going so hard for so long 
and just constantly doing more stuff, adding on more stuff, I think I got overwhelmed, overworked, and lost kind of direction. When you start to do a lot of different things, you start to not know where you're going. You're going in a lot of directions. Um, So I think for me, it's about finding clarity of what I want out of life, what makes me happy, who I want to become. I think I've kind of crossed the chasm of, you know, trying to get opportunities to now being overwhelmed with opportunities. And I think for me, I always want to please people. I always want to do the most. But I think now I've realized I'm at a point where I can't do everything and I can't please everyone. And so now I have to go through that evolution of kind of relearning myself. How do you relearn yourself and figure out and find that clarity of what it is you want to be doing? Yeah, and like kind of I hope this advice inspires everyone. Um, Over the last three months, I've kind of realized that there isn't a single answer, right? And I think the thing I've struggled with the most is like every time I open up to someone and tell them about this, they try to fix it. They try to tell me advice to fix it. But I think what I've realized is it's literally a restructuring, a rebalance of my life that's a completely individual thing. What I'm going to do to fix my life would not be what you would do to fix your life, right? And so I think the actual advice is to understand there is no answer. At least there is no immediate answer. It's very much trial and error. It's very much feeling. Um, and it's very much leaning into Right? I think sometimes your head and heart can combat itself. And so when you feel something, you have to lean into it, even if like mentally you don't necessarily think you want to be that. And so I'm just going through an evolution, but I'm really good at looking at the micro of it and the macro of it. So the micro is, a, is you know, some days are tougher than others. Um, but I do see it from a macro perspective as well of like, I'm blessed to be going through this at 27, you know. I don't have a family. I don't have a wife. Um, I don't have, you know, a house. I don't have all these obligations relying on me. So it kind of allows me to blow my life up and rebuild it without harming anyone. I think a lot of people might cross this chasm, you know, in the midlife crisis to a certain extent. And it's a lot tougher to just shift things around. So I do see the blessing of this happening. And I do think that this is a massively pivotal moment in my life. I think everything I learned through this next period is going to be the foundation of kind of the person I become in the future. And learning these lessons will allow me to help so many people. Um, And I'm really happy, to be honest, that we're doing this podcast. Because there's a reason I said off air that I don't think this will be your last podcast. Because I'm hoping, you know, of course, I want to talk about a lot of things, but I'm hoping today to really go deep and say something that in three, four, five years will hit someone that's watching this and make them realize they're not alone in what they're going through. But it will be three, four, five years from now. And I hope that we do another episode and I can really explain how I figured it all out. Um, And just to cap it off, one thing that really hit me on Tuesday, I was listening to Dane Cook on Impulsive. And he said, don't be so quick to get out of your rock bottom. And it hit me because what he was saying was, there's so much learnings and lessons in your rock bottom. And you're not going to be there, you know, necessarily often in your life. So while you're there, take it for what it is. Like, 
don't be so quick to run away from it. Really understand it. Really evolve from it. Really become, you know, more of a service to the world because of it. And so I see the macro of that. I also feel the micro of it. And it's just uh, an evolution I'm going through. And this hasn't been like a week. This has been months now. Yeah, it was, to be completely honest, like what really happened was my whole life, like I said, I'd never dealt with anxiety or deep stress for a prolonged period of time. It would be a day, two days, whatever. And I would always just address it. But the the hardest part for me with this was that I looked at all the data. My companies were doing well. My relationships were good. Opportunities were flowing. I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like, my life is kind of as good as it's ever been. Why am I feeling crippling anxiety? Why am I feeling more stressed than I've ever felt in my life? And why isn't it going away? And the scary that the scary part is I couldn't pinpoint it. And so what happens is you feel it and I'm trying to pinpoint it and I can't. And that causes more stress and anxiety because you're like, how do I get out of this? And you don't understand it. And it came out of nowhere. Um, and so I think, and the reason I say I think is because I just don't know yet. But I think it, it does have to do something with just high levels of exhaustion. I think sometimes I wake up and I, it feels like it's the end of the day mentally. My brain is just fried. And so I think the first step for me was just to get to a more balanced life. To just become like baseline neutral on energy, not be drained 24-7. And, I, and that's kind of my first step. And then once I'm at a place where I can actually like think more clearly and just not have brain fog, it's really about evaluating my whole life on a happiness scale, right? And on a what legacy do I want to leave the, the world scale? And really understanding, okay, I have 40 opportunities, but what ones can I actually take on and what ones actually point to what makes me happy and what I want to accomplish across my lifetime? And those are big questions, especially at 27. And so... I think, like I said, a lot of people go through this in a midlife crisis when either they get completely burnt out or, you know, one of their parents dies or just something pivotal happens. For me, like I said, it happened to be on my 27th birthday, Um, but that's what I'm going through. I think one thing I want to jump back to, you talk about how use this time to learn the lessons and like you have the awareness to know that that's what you should do in this time, but it's like a fine line of learning the lessons and knowing you should be and not putting pressure on yourself to learn all the lessons. Like if there's a, like, if you're not figuring out the lessons, but putting the pressure on yourself that you need to figure all this out yeah. right now, it can only make the situation worse. So it's 100%. balancing those two things. And like one thing I want to test, like this is what I mean is like, it's different for everyone, right? For me, it's like one thing I want to test is going to therapy, Right. But what, I go to one therapy session and I know yes or no? Like, maybe you gotta go to 10 of them, maybe you gotta go to 15 of them to really understand if that's a thing, right? Um, Maybe I want to start exercising more. We don't just go to the gym once and figure it out. Maybe I need months. And so this is what I mean is like, I understand that it's an evolutionary process. Um, And so I don't think it's gonna be solved tomorrow. I think it'll be solved when it's solved. And I think that to me is hopefully the advice I give to somebody who may be going through this is like, don't expect it to be solved tomorrow. Just make a plan of all the things you think could fix and just start checking them off one by one, one a week, you know, and just know that 
everything that you're about to learn right now like this is stuff you're going to be able to pass on through content to the world this is stuff you're going to be passed on to your kids this is just going to make you a better individual so when you're going through your everyday life you'll have better energy with people it's it's going to be amazing um and it's almost a blessing you get to go through it i think last i'm glad you're uh, you're sharing this or i appreciate that you're sharing yeah, of course because i think to your point like you're looking at the data and everything's going well yeah. most other people the context they have is just that data they see the company going well they see the TikTok going well they see mm-hmm. all those things they don't necessarily see this and it kind of makes me yeah. think of a quote you said in the last podcast and it kind of has a very different meaning now yeah. you were talking about like basically the essence was you were grinding when and no one could see that the mm-hmm. quote was people don't see what you do in the shadows no and i feel like the shadows today have a very different context versus mm-hmm. two years ago two years ago it's like no one sees when it's 11 30 p.m and i'm still grinding in, at, at dark at night yeah. but i feel like the shadows now are a mental thing mm-hmm. and people don't see that 100 so i'm glad that you're sharing because it gives people the understanding it gives people also like to see that you're going through that and you're successful for people to hear that it'll i think it'll help a lot of people understand that it's not because they're not successful it's not because of any given situation it can just happen like you said and you can't pinpoint 100 and i never thought i'd be this guy right because like for real i've been just been going hard for like three four years and i always used to think to myself i'm like like people will say like burnout, burnout. And I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't I have burnt out years ago? Like does burnout take four years of grind to kick in? I feel like it should have been like three, four months. And then you'll be like, okay, like this is too much. But if your body sustains it for years and like I said, I, I still am happy, but I was always happy back then too. And like, that's why like it was kind of scary. It was just like, what's happening like i was i was thinking like do i have a medical like imbalance all of a sudden like it just came so out of nowhere um and i understood i had a lot on my plate but i've always had a lot on my plate and so it was it was just like scary i didn't know i you know what i mean i was so confused and hearing that you were confused it doesn't surprise me because i I was telling you off air i listened back to the first podcast and the 100th podcast and in the 100th podcast you were talking about, I want to have, I want to make sure I get a proper, what you said. Okay. You said you were training yourself mentally to become unstoppable. Yep. And so I think at that point, you, that, that, that just to me says like, you never thought that this would happen. Yeah. And, and what that really meant was like really not allowing external factors to mess up my mindset. Right. And I think once again, coming back to it, the thing that really happened, the reason I couldn't pinpoint the problem was because it was just a exhaustion. It wasn't that there was actually something wrong. It was that my body, my energy had just drained, right? And so you can't be mentally unstoppable when you don't have any battery left, right? And, and what I was saying mentally unstoppable is like I said, is like if clients give you harsh feedback, if the comment section is going off on you, if people are talking behind your back, like none of that stuff, like that's what I was thinking about, right? But I think, I actually do think I'm mentally, you know, unstoppable going in that direction, but what I never realized was I need a battery charge to be able to sustain mental unstoppability. So what, like, I don't know if systems is the right word, but what are you going to kind of put in place? What are you going to learn from this that's going to help you make sure this doesn't happen again, right? Because, like, yeah. even, like, going back two years ago, like, yes, you were grinding, but there was still maybe not as much balance. But, like, it wasn't out of the ordinary to see you golfing on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. or on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Like, there was still, like, it wasn't just all work. Like, there was some things you were finding to do 100%. outside of work. I think, like... It comes down to figuring out what gives you energy, right? It's not that I actually should do less. It's that I should find what gives me energy. And I think that's kind of the process I need to go through, right? I don't necessarily think 
I need to work part-time. Maybe in the short term to just get the battery back up a bit. But I think for long-term sustainability, it's just self-awareness of like, if I do a podcast, like I feel like I spend two hours talking to someone, but then I'm like on cloud nine for the rest of the day. And so that might be a good use of time to then recharge the battery. Maybe if I'm doing mundane work, answering emails, dealing with employees, like any of that stuff, it sucks energy from me. And then, okay, how do we build a system to remove myself, maybe make it a Monday meeting that I tap in and oversee it, and then I leave. Um, And once again, that's not something that you can just implement overnight. First of all, you got to become aware of it before you even start to implement it. And so it's just going to take time. That doesn't mean days won't be difficult, you know, because it's all mental. That's the craziest part is sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, it's just in here. Like, like there's literally nothing going on. It's all in here, right? Um, yeah. Another thing, I keep jumping back to things you said last I time. I love it. Keep going. Because I, I like to kind of explore how you've grown over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And another thing you said last time was that you weren't good at opening up to people. Mm-hmm. But like five, ten minutes ago, you said when you open up to people about what you're going through so that means you've gotten better at it Mm. like was that a conscious thing you did or that just kind of naturally happened yeah like i've always been comfortable to open up to people if that's where they want to go but i've never like like to open up to people unless they like pushed me to a lot of times when i met people i it would almost become like i'm interviewing them i would get to know them so 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 well and i would almost leave the conversation knowing like they really don't know much about me because i kind of just dove deep into them and and every time we did have a 50 50 exchange it was because we were talking on topic about them you know what i mean i'd be given oh well what about this oh that's interesting that kind of makes me think it was almost like i was just you know what i mean and i think that's on me like i didn't allow them space to to ask me questions and stuff but i'm just such someone who's always trying to learn so i want to kind of hear what you think um forget what the question was now but that's kind of where where I would go with with those. It's, it's not that I wouldn't open up to people. It's just my style wouldn't allow them to get me to open up to them. But but with this one spe- in specifics, like specifically, I like where you having conversations just naturally got to this, or when you're opening up to people, was it you bringing it to them? Unprompted? Oh yeah, it was. So when this started happening, the one thing I'm I am great at is like I'm not scared to talk about. Like I'll talk anything. You know, it really does. Like I I kind of love it. It's actually how I learn is by someone asking me a question and me working through it in my brain, right? And so what I started doing is just like any direct relationship that what I was going through affected, I would just call them and just be like, hey, like I know this this is random, but I need to let you know like this is what I'm going through. I don't even understand it. But if you, if something comes up between us and I just say like, listen, I can't right now. Like I just need you to know what that means, right? And it really started with my family. Like, you know, want them wanting me to come to like, you know, Mother's Day event or a birthday and, and like, you know, I just had to tell them what what I was going through. So it's just like, hey, like if I'm just like, I, I just can't do it right now, they understand. Same thing with um, business partners, which is like, hey, like I just need you, you know, I'm going through this because if I just can't show up, you know, boom. And then it happened with friends, right? You know, Canada Day and, and concerts and things like if I tell you I just can't make it, like I, I don't know why I can't make it. Like I can't explain it. I just need you to know that this is kind of real right now. Um, and even yesterday, like had a, you know, a client, um, doing something very, very cool and they wanted me there. And the day before it was a great day. And I told them I'll be there yesterday, not a good day. And I kind of had to tell them like what I was going through because it was affecting the relationship. Right. And I don't want to lie. I don't want to make up an excuse. Um, 
And then they called me and we spent 40 minutes on the phone and they were telling me like what they've been going through. And it was creepily the same. And we freaking had a heart to heart. You know what I mean? And so talking to people is, is definitely the best thing because for me, I just feel guilty letting people down. You know, there's, we, we rescheduled this podcast, right? Because the first time we were supposed to do it, I just couldn't do it. Um, and that's the hardest part. Throughout this whole process, I've cried five times. And it's when I had to let my mom down. It's when I had to let my best friend down. It's when I had to let my, one of my old roommates down. Um, it's when I had to let a client down. And it's when I had to let another one of my friends down. That was literally the five times I've cried. And every time, like, I can't even get the words out to, like, tell them I can't make it. It, it, it destroys me. I don't know why it's not that big a deal like i can't make it to like um like a cottage weekend like it's not that serious but like literally like broke down to the point where like my friend like came over it's like bro like i'm here for you. like you know what i mean i think that's the tough toughest part for me and like what i've kind of realized now is like for the short term i'm just almost gonna make no commitments because i don't want to let people down i want to just focus insular and and, and figure myself out because letting people down makes it worse. It really makes me feel guilty. And guilt is like the worst thing you can feel when your mental's there. It's just like an extra, because obviously like now you're not going to the event, but on top of it, you feel like you let someone down and it's just like the worst feeling ever. But I think that your ability to communicate that to people is important. And I think that a lot of people don't have that ability. They feel like they can't. And so I think that that's one thing there's no way to spin this into a positive situation, what you're going through. But I think it's a good thing to see that, like, you had a friend that came over when you realized you were going through something. Man, what I've realized is, obviously, like I said, I've, the relationships that are being directly affected are the ones I've communicated it to. And, oh, my God, like, I feel so much better after I talk to them. And it just reiterates, like, how incredible the people in my life are. Like, me, like, my best friend has been my best friend since high school. And we probably see each other three, four times a week, like, like real best friends. And that one conversation, like now I know, like, even though I always thought it, like now I know, like, that's, that's a different level. That's my brother for real. And it's just like, it's our bond is almost like so much more special because of going through something like this together. I just think that like, there's, cause there's people that, that go through and they don't have that, you know what I mean? Which is just like, and again, this all comes back to why sharing it is not sharing like why talking about it is a good thing yeah because like one it just, it just I mean, it helps one like just the general people that like might hear this understand but yeah. just sharing it directly to people helps them understand and i think it's hard for someone on the other side to really understand unless you explain it to them 100 percent. and like the reason i'm so excited about this podcast is literally because like i just want to become you know a real pillar you know in the world in three to five years but i want this podcast to be able to be looked back on because this podcast if i'm able to do that and get the attention will help so many people because like kind of like dane cook said i don't know the next time i'll be here so like let's let's try to get some good out of it when did you realize that you could like not turn it into content but that you could help people with it because obviously when you're going through it that's probably not your first thought yeah and like i I weirdly like want to go through it document it and put it out when i'm better Cause I don't even want to talk about it. Like a lot of the times, like, you know, you talk to so many people about it. The last thing you want to do is keep talking about it. Cause it's almost like if it's top of mind, it's just making it worse, you know, versus like just trying to focus on like better things and, and elevate. Um, but yeah, talking about it's really the only way 
for me at least to get better because like I said, like on this podcast, a lot of the things I'm saying now, like I've never thought. I'm really working through it on this podcast live and just trying to provide value um, to people that that can relate to it because literally the call that I was on yesterday with my client, probably talked to 30 people about this, was the first time I felt s- someone that I could relate to um, because they're a high achiever, multiple businesses, super successful. Um, our timelines are very similar. What we're feeling is very similar. And it was like scary parallel. And I told them after that call, I was like, man, like you helped me so, 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 so much. Cause everyone I've talked to has just tried to give me advice, but they don't understand it. Cause I live a, uh, I don't live like a crazy life. I just live a very weird life, you know, like 27, multiple businesses, personal brand, all these different random, this is what it was too, is like my mind share is all over the map, right? A lot of people's mind share, they might have a lot on their plate, but it's only one plate. I have a lot on my plate and it's like seven plates. And so that makes it a lot more difficult because your mind isn't even working in a consistent manner, right? Like I'm thinking about like, okay, how's my client in cash and marketing doing? Um, is this guy posting my TikToks? Oh, did this student perform in modern marketing? Oh, has this teacher been paid? Oh, is my comment section getting back to? Oh, is this on time? Um, how's my family do? Like, it's it's a lot of task switching mentally, and I think that has drained me out a lot more because you just don't get momentum. You're like in, and then you're out. Then you're in, then you're out. Then you're in, then you're out. Um, and that's kind of what they were saying as well. Is like they've taken on a lot more across their life in different aspects, um, and that's just like mentally train them and they're in a different situation they're they're a little bit older than me and you have the family situation as well and like they were talking about the family dynamics and once again that's why i kind of feel blessed that i'm going through this at 27 um because i can really just blow my life up and rebuild it like and not hurt anyone one thing that i've noticed about you is your processing speed is Mm. definitely above average yep like you're able to intake information and like spit it back out and even like like, but you just, I'm, this is off the thread you just mentioned where like you're saying things you never realized before because you're processing all of this in real time and yeah. you're, like, you're finding those insights like just in your head by talking. I'll about tell it. you a funny moment and I'll let you finish your question. <laughs> um, my buddy Deepak, about 10, 15 days into me experiencing this, I called him because um, we're working on a project together and it may affect that project. You know what I mean? But by the time I talked to him, I, I might've talked to 15 people already. And so I was like, hey bro, this is what I'm going through. Da, 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 da. But look, I think I have it figured out from a plan standpoint, need to get back to even, need to then re- blow my life up, resystemize it. I'm looking at this, 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 this. And I finished talking, Deepak just goes, man, this guy even crushes burnout. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's kind of like, it makes a lot of sense because you're right. I do have a high processing speed. I'm very good at when I get the information, understanding what it means and trying to implement it right away. Um, so I thought that that was a funny story based on where you were going with the question. It's very similar to Zach Honover, who I, who I saw when I was in LA, was part of the reason I was out there. Mm-hmm. He's the CEO of Creator Now. And I was just like, I'd watch him at like parties and stuff and he'd be, he'd be like talking to somebody and they'd say like one thing about their business and he'd have seven different possible solutions and this mm-hmm. is the best one. It's like, but he just does it so naturally. And like, I noticed a similar thing about yeah. you is you're able to process things really quickly, um, which can be a benefit but also can probably be part of the task switching because you can get in and out so quickly because you can process what's going on give the answer and on to the next thing and my brain just goes right like when you get into momentum of just 
problem fix, problem fix, problem fix, problem fix. Like I find myself ending my work day and literally just like running around the house, like trying to like clean this and do this and fix this. And like, I can't stop. You know what I mean? And then what happens is like, you do that for four hours, then you go to bed, you wake up and your brain's never stopped. And you can even like, sometimes like you'll wake up in the night cause you're just like dreaming, but thinking. And like, it's like, that's why I think I'm just exhausted is cause like my brain just literally doesn't stop. And like, that's why like the only times I feel recharged is when I'm distracted, when I'm golfing, when I'm having a really good conversation with someone, even like if I'm watching TV, but I'm by myself, like I can't even focus on the show. I'm like thinking about a million things. And so I want to get to a place where I can quiet my mind without distraction, right? Like I don't want to have to have a beer to quiet my mind. You know what I mean? And so that, you know, obviously leads me to look at something like meditation. Um, I've been practicing that a little bit and trying to get into it, but that's really the key for me is, is having control over my my thoughts. Sorry, I smiled when you were saying that because as you said, I don't have a beer like to calm down. You did like a subtle wink. And I can remember having a very, very long time ago conversation with you, very specific conversation yeah. about Gary V doing that exact same thing. Yep. Like he does like a subtle wink when he's like, it's usually when he's delivering kind candor to somebody like in a meet and greet. When he says something they don't want to hear, he kind of lives with a half smile and a wink. And you were talking about how you picked up on that. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed is you're able to kind of you pick up on like different cadences of or tendencies of people that that you admire. That work, yeah, yeah that work, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, I remember that's really good. What? Like that you said that, like oh. that you noticed that. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a, a super strength of mine. That's why, to some extent, I've been really good at everything I've gotten into. Is because I watch the best and I can really pick it up quick. Like even skateboarding. Like I'd watch people skateboard and I would just watch like where they'd place their feet and how they'd like shift their feet. And I'd be like, oh, like I'll just do that same thing with my feet. But it was because I could just see the subtle nuances and be like, it's that simple. Right. And even watching Gary interact with fans is insights for me of like whenever I am in similar situations, how I wanna how I want to be even like, even like, I think like one of the most interesting things is how he takes compliments, right? I think a lot of people struggle when someone comes up to you and is like, Hey dude, Oh my God, you help me with this or da da da. It's like, what do you say? <laughs> be like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. Right. He always says something like, Oh, th- thank you so much for saying that. And then might follow up with a question. Right. And so I take stuff like that. And even like in um, comments, when people are commenting, like sending you love, if you get like 20 TikTok comments and they're all just, oh my God, thank you so much. Thank you. You, you don't want to just like heart every single one. Like you want to try to make every single interaction personal. And so, yeah, I do watch Gary and understand like how he does that to make everyone feel special. The head nod, the wink is something like all, all that that is, and is reinforcing what you said. So like, if I say something and then I'm like, it just lets you know, like, like I'm, I double mean it because sometimes I think you can say something, you can read it on someone's face that they're like struggling to understand it or like struggling to agree with it. And so like, it's just like kind of a kind way of like reinforcing, like, no, no, that's exactly what I meant. Mm-hmm. And then like, cause like they're questioning in their head and that nod is you doubling down on it and being like, that's ex- yeah. Like it's just like, cause they're questioning like, is he right? And, you, and it's kind of you being like, no, no, I am. In like a kind, in like not a egregious way. Speaking of Gary, Gary is like the most purebred of entrepreneurs that there is. Yeah. Obviously, last time I talked to you on the show, uh-huh. you told me you weren't an entrepreneur. Me? Yeah, 
you said you don't identify as well being i am an entrepreneur by definition but i don't think i am a purebred i think i could work for a company 100 percent. because you were going to i remember that's something you said too like you or yeah, you've also said to other places like you started your agency not by accident but you just kind of stumbled into it it's not like you finished school and you're like i'm gonna start a marketing agency mm-hmm. it's like you were working for an agency and you were just taking some clients on the side because people wanted help yeah. and that just snowballed yep but it also ended up being the thing you love doing. Yeah. Do you think that that... I don't know if it is, though. Like, I love marketing. Do I love running an agency? We'll see. Why we'll see? Because I think this point in my life is an evaluation period. Do I want to build that? You know? Or do I want to build my personal brand take on three to five clients personally, super high ticket, um, and live like a hassle-free life in the sense of like, it's me to the client. There's no employees. There's no quitting. There's no hiring. There's no system. There's no middle stuff. Like that's what an agency is, is all the middle stuff, right? Do I want to take that on and then multiply that by two companies? Um, we'll see. I, you, that was what you told me two years ago. That was the next step. Was the hiring was the yeah? But since you see that, this is why I don't have like five to ten year plans though. It's because a massive opportunity came up in modern marketing, and I and I was like, yeah, you know what I mean. And so I didn't see that two two years ago, Um, and that's why I still don't have like a five ten year plan. Even though actually (laughs) modern marketing does have a ten year plan, but that's because I have a partner on it, and so I can't just be ad hoc. You know, I have to look out for their best interests as well. Um, but I'll let you finish your question. Sorry. Is, well, is there employees at Modern Marketing or is it just the two, you and a Yeah, we have uh, contractors. So not employees. We have a social media manager, two posters. Um, Isam has a VA. Then we obviously have 10 teachers. Um, so it, even though no one's on the full-time payroll, there is probably like 15 to 20 people like involved to some extent. There's a team behind it. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference between cash and marketing and modern marketing is with, with your agency. Last time, one thing you said, one of the things you need to work on is letting go of control of I'm good the business. At that now. You are good at that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is it's going to be easier to do with modern marketing because yep. you started it from day one, not in 100% control versus cash and marketing. You've always been the guy in control. Yeah. So modern marketing, one thing that me and my partner have done and quick side kind of story, my real strength is simplifying complexity seeing things before they're going to happen like intuitively right i'm no business genius i'm good at marketing but i'm not a business genius at all and the amount of things i saw coming in this company that happened exactly how i called them re-solidified to myself that i don't just think i see stuff like i really see stuff and understand business um and so me and my partner were reading this book together called start at the end uh, we're on the fourth chapter now. We're doing a chapter a week, and literally, you read the chapter, and then there's a work booklet, and we're both writing our answers. And every Monday at eleven thirty a.m., we get together and we compare our answers, and then we agree on the final answers and put it in a master sheet. Um, and basically, what this book does is builds your business from you start at the end, you start at what you want to accomplish in the end. So for us, it is a sale, and you work all the way back to this current moment. So literally, we're, we're reverse engineering a 10-year plan um, and understanding, like, you know, if you want to sell it for this much money, how much revenue you have to make, 
because uh, this is the EBITDA on what you what you pull. Therefore, this is how many customers you have to serve in these product breakdowns. Um, these are all the different kind of business assets you need to build. Um, this is how you then build out like your first quarter, your first year, da 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 da. Um, this is then how you build out your KPIs to measure all that stuff. This like it literally reverses the whole thing. And the reason I was really Im- knew this was important for modern marketing is because I have a partner. Cash for marketing, I can just kind of like have the vision in my head. But when you have a partner, you have to communicate both sides and agree. This is what I told you, Sam. A great thing my dad taught me. So my dad worked for Intel in the 90s. And one of the things that they had in their boardroom was a rule called disagree and commit. And it basically meant when a group decides on something, whether you agree or disagree, you have to agree to disagree and commit to to the group decision. If you disagree with it, you have to commit to the group decision. And if you can't, you're removed off the project or you're fired from the, like, it's very serious. And so that's why I told you, Sam, is like, the reason I want to do this is because I want to see where we are not aligned. And sometimes I'll have to disagree and commit. Sometimes you'll have to disagree and commit, but we'll have to come to that agreement. So then we're just fully aligned. And I even told him, it doesn't matter if this book is the best book to do this. What matters is that we just have some system in place to find alignment, right? And so that's a really fun process I've been going through with him. Um, and I would, I'm shocked, to be honest, at how aligned we are on weird things. Like the employee we're going to hire next quarter, we both said the same answer. And there probably was, first of all, we didn't necessarily have to even hire an employee. And there's probably four answers that we could have said. And we both said the same thing, right? And so just to have that natural kind of vision uh, is a great sign. And then, um, you know, we're we're finding our, our balance. What would it look like if you were to try and achieve that 10-year goal in one year? Um, impossible, to be completely honest. You know, I'm not going to share the goal. Um, but, yeah, I don't think a company's ever grown at that rate from where we're currently at. I asked you because I was recently watching a video. Um, I don't know if the guy's 100 millionaire or a billionaire. But he first made $100 million by writing down in a journal how to make $100 million in one year mm. from zero. Yeah. And then he did it. Mm-hmm. Which is why I was just curious. I'm always curious about like, because there's another one where it's just like how you achieve your X amount of your goal in six months. And it's just like, yeah. are you thinking big enough was yeah. the question. Yeah. Yeah. And like I could see that in certain companies that are maybe, you know, an example would be a tech company where it's like you have the tech product. And you just have to put it in the hands of more people. Like for us, for instance, like to even get paid, you have to have students go through a four-month cohort. So no matter what, we have like that has to take time. It's not like you could just like double your sales tomorrow in theory, right? And so, yeah, it just it wouldn't make sense to do it that way. Um, But what I've really learned from this book is building business assets. That's how you get exponential growth, right? So one of the things we're building out right now is our e-commerce store. And so that's going to take a period of time to finish building it out, have it all flow seamlessly, have, um, you know, buy now, pay later solutions integrated, like a lot of different stuff. But once that's set up, we can just run sales through it all day. And so that business asset, even though it's going to take three months to do, might simply 4x our sales next year because now it's built and now we can just run it, right? Um, Understanding the process of 
um, how a student goes from first interaction to getting their diploma, like really processing that and understanding and finding where to cut it out may be a three month process, let's say. But once that's solved, that's going to then maybe three X our student be. And so business assets are something that this book has really made crystal clear of like, okay, you build them. But then that's why companies go from 100,000 to 400,000 to 1.6 to 5, right? And so that's really what this book is showing us is, okay, what are all the assets we need to build? One of the things we did is this thing called an Ansoft matrix. And basically it explains that the easiest way to make money is selling existing products to existing customers. The second easiest way is new products to existing customers. The third is ex is existing products to new customers. And the fourth is new products to new customers, right? And so it has you organize all your strengths and all your opportunities and put them together um, and, and like a hierarchy. Okay, these are our opportunities, but if you put them against our strengths, what is kind of the easiest to achieve? And then layer them in an Ansoft matrix, an Ansoft matrix, so then you understand what logically is gonna be the easiest to just make money. And so, um, and then that shows you what business assets you need to build in what hierarchy if you want to get revenue the quickest. And so it's a lot of these things that I'm just learning about business that is going to, you know, pair with my intuition of how kind of humans are going to act. Um, it's going to make me a beast, but I'm learning it right now. And so for me, it's like, okay, like I'm going to learn it. I'm going to put it. I'm going to watch it happen. So maybe over the next three years, by the time I'm 30, I'm like, man, I'll have this business structure down like to science one takeaway i'm gonna have for this conversation yeah. is just the importance of systems because you systemize everything and it doesn't systems sounds like a scary word but it can just mean like rules in place of how you operate like how you operate in a given situation as long as there's rules yeah. it can take some of like like i'm a big learning about mental models right now mm. i don't know if you've ever looked at mental models or not don't know what that means um it's kind of just like the rules of when you get into a given situation what are like the rules you have for yourself so you don't have to necessarily think about a situation uh -huh. like you don't have to you can't overthink it because you have the rules predefined of how you're going to operate when a certain situation yeah. happens it's kind of like a system and the system you build for your content isn't that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is I remember you calling me and Terry, you tell me about what, kind of your game plan for your system for. I told you about it before I did it. Yeah, that's I think sick. I think you even talked to me. You might have even like subtly mentioned it on the last podcast two years ago. Wow, creating a system. Yeah. But where you were, you were in a very different place in terms of how you're viewing your content at that time because you were thinking of hiring like a D Rock. That was your thought yep. of like having a cool day and hiring someone to follow you just for that day, which I'm sure is still on the list of things you'd like in, yeah. in terms of your content, yeah. but you kind of went a different, like you did that very, very briefly. I remember you did that very briefly, yeah. but then it very quickly became not following you around, coming here and batch shooting a bunch of TikTok content instead. And yeah. then taking that as like the pillar that everything else gets created off of. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering, like, I kind of just touched on a little bit, but could you explain the full scope of your content structure or the machine behind the scenes that works to help you pump out six TikToks a day right now? Basically it can vary. Um, but the kind of the structure is the same. And so the, the most common structure is every two weeks, someone comes to my place and we shoot 30 TikToks. Um, now, sometimes those TikToks are I'm on a podcast and that becomes the TikToks. Sometimes um, it's just ideas that we have and we just shoot them. And every idea, we try to make two, three, four videos, depending on if that's possible. Um, and so we'll do all that TikTok content and then we'll place it um, obviously on TikTok, Reels. Um, we did do YouTube Shorts, we did do Pinterest. We weren't seeing pickup there, but we're gonna try it again. And also wanna get onto Facebook Reels, start doing that. Um, and so that was what I was doing on my personal brand um, back in August to start. 
And one of the insights on shooting podcasts is it creates your ideas for you. So we're doing this podcast right now. We're getting all the TikTok clips. But at the same time, we can then take all these ideas from my podcast, shoot one-off videos, right? So it creates ideas without us even having to think about it. That's why I really like podcasts. And then also you're going to distribute it, which is just more exposure. So podcasts are kind of a really special way to kind of kill three birds with one stone. Um, so I was doing that for my personal brand. And then what that created was a bank of all this content, right? And so we might have had 500 pieces of content from like August to, I don't know, February, March, right? And that's when we launched Modern Marketing. So what that allowed me to do is take those 500 pieces, say, hey team, just reuse those two times a day. And now all that I focused on was shooting content for Modern Marketing. Now we had eight weeks to basically sell this company and, and get everybody into the course to then make enough money to pay the teachers, pay all the bills that we had, and try to take it to the next level. It was like make or break eight weeks, right? And um, so what we did is we shot 30 TikToks a week and posted four times a day. And so literally every week I shot 30 TikToks for eight weeks. Um, and we came up with a really cool model because I was like, with modern marketing, we just want to get as many views from marketers as possible. So what did I do? I looked at TikTok and I looked at the marketing hashtag and I looked for things that could be systemized from an ideation standpoint. And what I found was that videos that constantly went viral in the marketing space that was kind of basic was websites, helpful marketing websites. And so what we started with was 15 to 30 videos would be websites. Maybe like five of the videos would be like, um, oh no, 10 of them would be one from each module in the course. So there'd be something about email marketing, something about Facebook ads, something about TikTok, right? Um, and then the final five would be something uh, like uh, career related. So if you want to up your marketing career, here's, and so that's what we started with. And then we started seeing like the websites were just over indexing. So then it became like 20 websites and it became like 25 websites, right? And then the trick became, okay, how do we pitch the website, but then push to the product? And we couldn't have too long of a push at the end because it would drop the view, right? So I would literally, this is all I would do. You can start to see in week seven, eight, um, all my videos are basically pitching a site and then saying, and if you want to be a better marketer, apply in our bio just leave it like that it didn't hurt the kind of the the virality it also kept some mystery hey i do want to be a better marketer apply in our bio like what does that mean right and so then people go to the bio but that allowed us to then have a system of like okay every shoot we just talk about a bunch of helpful websites push to the product we'll get tons of views all marketers and literally we did a hundred thousand followers in a hundred days we sold enough of the program to make profit um, and now we're rolling into cohort two, most likely in January. Um, but that's how we pulled that one off. And now what's happened, um, we did four videos a day times eight weeks, whatever that batches, I feel like it's like 280 videos. We now have those and I just have a team that's reposting those. And now I'm back on my personal doing new content, right? But the good part about modern marketing is it's a straight system. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be me. It's not my brain. It just find a website, talk about it, right? And so that can actually be uh, systemized. And then I want to look for a couple other pillars that um, can also be systemized. So maybe like something where it's like, um, maybe we take like the best marketing quotes from like famous marketers and just run that content, right? And maybe we do like one of those ones where like the words are on the screen and it's like maybe a little story about marketers. And so I want to make modern marketing fully systemized. And then I'll, I want to focus on my personal um, as like my original thoughts. And so I think that's a long roundabout way of like how we're, we're looking at modern marketing. 
but I want to end it off with just saying like both projects had different goals. Modern marketing was like, let's go viral as a marketing resource. Whereas hating cash in is let's build fans of hating cash in. So it's not about going viral. It's about putting out super deep, valuable content that comes from my insights so that the people that follow me are following me because they can't get what I'm thinking other places. Modern marketing, anyone can go make, talk about websites, right? And so different, uh, different goals. One thing that's interesting to see this whole content system you have in place mm-hmm. is I was reflecting on like past content you've done. Uh-huh. And so this is, you've batch shot forever. You used to, for Instagram, you'd work with a photographer <laughs> and you'd batch all your photos for like yeah. three months. Yeah. You just carry a box. It's like Bro. still burned in my brain. Legendary. Switch the shirt now. Switch the shoes. Like the, <laughs> your delivery of that line has been like burned in my so brain. So for people who don't know, um, back when TikTok wasn't a thing and Instagram was the thing, um, I would do like a day with a video or a day with a photographer, maybe like four hours. And what we would do is I would literally come with a tub of like four jeans, six shirts, and we'd go to like seven locations and just shoot every outfit in like different poses and stuff and literally just have all the content for like three, four months. So you used to, you've done the batching thing, but you've also done the reverse yeah. with Lazy Sundays. Lazy yeah. Sundays, you were starting from scratch on your own every single week. Yeah. And I laugh now thinking back when you're like, where you did the first podcast, you're telling about this Lazy Sunday series where you're writing a new, a new, what was it? A new. Like a uh, verse every week. New verse every week. Yeah. And you were like, it's just so hard. You know, you got to come up with, you got to find a beat. You got to write the music. You got to film it. You got to edit it. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, it's cool. Not realizing I'm starting a podcast that is literally going to be the same exact shit. same thing. Yeah. For four years of yeah. just... Except you don't have to even write a song. I guess no, you could do your research, do research. Maybe similar. The research sometimes would take me 10 hours. But at least the research is like, there's a process to it. Like writing a song, some weeks you just don't know what to say. Mm. Versus like, you know, okay, I check Facebook, I check Instagram. And it's just like, if I can't find stuff there, like, it's kind of over. But like, for me, it's like, I just got to figure something out here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's no excuse really. Yeah, but it's just, I was just laughing at like, he basically gave me this big warning of like, hey, weekly content every single week where you're starting from the scratch worst thing you is a grind. That's why right? every YouTuber burns out. Yeah. And I was like, sick, I'm going to do that then. Like I didn't, I just should have paid more attention to, to what you were saying with, with Lazy Sundays. But I think it's interesting that you've always been doing the batch shooting with Instagram. I thought that was fun. Yeah. And like, for me, it's like, okay, how do I tap into more platforms with minimizing my, my effort, you know, not minimizing the quality, but like. Okay, how do we like, what do we want to do on Facebook Reels? What do we want to do on YouTube Shorts? How could we shoot that in a smart way that maybe kills two birds with one stone, but still makes them unique? What do I want to do on my Instagram feed? Like, what does that feed mean to me? What am I trying to accomplish with it? How do I then come up with a system? Um, Like one of the things I think about a lot is like, I kind of want to work with a copywriter, literally have them ask me 10 questions a month on a one call. And I just, they record me for 10 minutes answering each question. And then they come up with stories. Right. And those will be like my LinkedIn's. And like, that's what I mean is like, how do I just come up with the system where like, cause I don't want to take the time, you know, I want to do it as efficiently as possible, but I still want to like, I still want to be as special in the space. I don't just want to, you know, mail it in. Like I, I like, for instance, like LinkedIn stories on LinkedIn, like telling a story powerful for whatever reason, it, it goes triple deep there. Um, and I think I have a lot of good stories to tell, but I'm not going to sit there and write an article. Mm-hmm. it's having the awareness to know that too right 
because not everybody has that awareness. Sometimes uh-huh. people think that like, well, this is what I should, like this is what Gary Vee's doing, I should do this. Or like, this is what Hayden's doing, I should mm-hmm. do what Hayden's doing. Yeah. And I think one thing too, like with how you're doing it, how you've structured your content, what would you say to somebody who's not in your position where they could hire someone to film and edit other stuff? Because I think- Where they couldn't? Where they couldn't, right? Because yeah. for you, I think you did the math on it. It's easy. Honestly, it's like, sorry, to me, it's easy. To me, it seems easy. Like you need um, to understand how much it would cost. So there's two ways to look at it. Some people want to be a full-time content creator. And therefore, you got to just start hustling, making content until you can start charging brands and like doing the content creator shit. For me, I want to put out content, but that's not what I want to become. I don't want to be a content creator full-time. I want to be um, a business person full-time, right? And so for me, it was like, okay, um, say it's going to cost me $2,000 a month all in to do, you know, produce my content, have someone post it, um, manage it, whatever. The total cost is 2000 right? Then it's like, okay, what service could I provide that is going to get me to 2000 right? Does that mean I have to run Facebook ads for three clients? Does that mean I have to run Facebook ads for one client, right? What, how do I do that? Okay, so now let's you know, this is where you get creative. There's a million ways to make that happen, but that's the system. Okay, I need a client to fund, that'll fund my content creation, right? And so now you gotta go on Instagram, start DMing people, you gotta start calling people that you know, you gotta start putting stuff out on LinkedIn. Like, you gotta do what it takes to get that client, but that can be the fund. And then what happens is your content that you now produce get you the next client and the next one, right? And so for me, you know, I just looked at it as like, if this, you know, TikTok investment gets me one client, I'm actually profitable on the actual execution. Like I make a slight profit on it. And so that's the way I've always looked at it. It's similar. It's not quite the same thing, but it's similar to starting at the end of figuring out what you want to achieve with it. Because that's your point. A lot of creators, they start just making videos and like, well, someone's going to reach out to me eventually. But if you figure out where you're trying to take this, how you're trying to make your money off your content, whatever way you decide to do that. Man, I I think I heard Robert Kiyosaki say from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he was literally like, poor people say, "Uh, I can't afford that. Rich people say, how can I afford that? Right. If you don't have the money, you just got to figure out the system to get the money. Right. You know, rich people look at like opportunity. What could I do? Not, oh, in my current situation, it is not possible. Therefore, it is not possible. They look at it in my current situation it is not possible. How could it become possible? Right. I mean, one of the things you could do. Find ways to get in, in contact with wealthy people and be like, hey, you pay for my team for a year. This is how I'm going to monetize on the back end. Um, and I'll give you all the profits or a portion of the profits until you're paid back. And then after you're paid back, we go, what? Whatever percentage you want to break down. Well, there's a way to just get cash, right? Just being creative. That's just different. People don't really think about that, right? Um, and I, So I think there's like a million ways. Maybe there's like grants you can apply for in the government. Like th- this is what I mean. So I don't. I don't think there's any excuse, especially because like, if you really want it, you can find a couple hours and just go face the camera. Like I was saying on a podcast the other day, TikTok is the ultimate, you don't have an excuse. Literally good content wins and it's literally almost prefers content that's just filmed on a phone. (laughs) So where's the excuse now? There isn't one. 
that's the best that's that's the best part and like that's the beauty of the tiktok algorithm because now anybody can be a creator which also means anyone can create anything which can lead but anyone's been able to be a creator forever now true now it's just actually easier to be a creator mm-hmm. so it's only it's only gotten easier it's only gotten easier but now that everybody can be a creator that'll dilute the quality of the content but with the beauty of the tiktok algorithm it's only going to service you the best stuff it's merit it's like it's a fair system mm-hmm. it's like we can all put our content in and the algorithm is going to show the best it's great. Oh, it's great. It's fair. And the best part is, is now IG Reels, Facebook Reels, YouTube Shorts, Pinterest, whatever theirs is called. Um, uh, Snapchat has like one. And so it's not only that TikTok's here. All the channels are here. I've never seen so many people grow at such a fast rate on Instagram in so long. Just through Reels. Like lots of people getting like four or 5,000 um, followers in like a week. That's incredible. And so that's almost the beauty of TikTok is it's forced the whole ecosystem to become more consumer-centric and creator-centric. Absolutely. And, and I've heard you say like this moment of like discover this virality that everyone's seeing right now, the ability to go quickly. Next, I think you said 18, 24 months is probably your prediction on how long it lasts. Well, I... I, so I was say with it being easier, I guess, because like the, the full extent of your thought there is that it'll end up being right now one in... It's more competitive. More competitive. It will always, in my opinion... The way the algorithm structured doesn't have the same downsides as the post algorithm where it's like when you would follow someone, the algorithm is now obligated to show you that content to some extent. Therefore, as time passes, everyone tends to follow more people over time. Therefore, the algorithm has more obligations to show you specific content. Therefore, it doesn't have as much organic reach. Like it diminishes. This algorithm doesn't care about the follow button. Therefore, um, the more people you follow it doesn't mean that the organic reach will decline because it doesn't have an obligation to show you it. Now, what happens though is more people will produce on this side. So therefore it'll be more competitive for the organic reach, but the organic reach will always be there in my opinion. Now the algorithm can change, sure. But in its current state, I don't see how it could change and I don't believe it will change. There's a reason all the platforms are adapting to this. People like it more. People, but not nah, curious. The people like it more, but we've recently seen over the last like week, like Instagram has gotten a ton of backlash for becoming too TikTok. Like, uh-huh. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah. So where do you think it lies in between? Like backlash is bullshit. Explain. Well, it's data. There's a reason TikTok is surpassing all these platforms, even though the backlash is that it's uh, addictive and, and bad for teens. And there's all the backlash, which means like news headlines, but the data showing that everyone loves it so backlash is bullshit like just look at the data right let's see if instagram grows you know if creators are now getting a lot more follows what does that mean two things people are liking this content they're following and the creators are liking the platform more they're getting follows like it's uh yeah backlash is bullshit i like that that's interesting and there's something else I was going to ask you about too with Instagram and Reels. It's yeah. Facebook fan pages. Because the first thing you ever did from a quote-unquote personal branding perspective was make a Facebook fan page as an artist. It was the so. first thing. I mean, Instagram maybe, but like the first thing, first place you posted about it and everything was your Facebook fan yeah, page. Yeah. And now you're coming back to Facebook fan pages. Yeah. I think you only talked about this literally like two days ago in your Two story. days ago, so I don't really know much about it. Um, but my, my trainer actually has been posting on his fan page for probably a month, month and a half without any like nobody told him to but he's growing very quickly and so we'll see right there's there's lots of objections of like 
oh, only like old grandmas are on Facebook um, and people don't care and whatever, whatever. But we'll, we'll see because it, it's true to some extent. It is one thing to get followers, but when you have the followers, like how much exposure do you get to those followers outside of Reels? Um, what can you actually do with them? And, and it's not that I'm saying good or bad. Like I'm just unsure right now. So we'll have to see. But the fact that Gary Vee said like Facebook fan pages is his main thing like a couple days ago and YouTube shorts is number two and TikTok is number three blew my mind. And for a guy like that to come out with a statement like that means like everyone should at least spend some time and try it. And I know you're not like you're not doing this to become an influencer, but the monetization on Facebook right now, from like the creator standpoint, uh-huh. not like brand deals, but like the TikTok creator Facebook fund, you. TikTok yeah. or Facebook's version of that, yeah. pays out way more. Cool. Like I was talking to a guy a couple months ago. His name's Jordan uh-huh. Sanford. He does like car videos, and he has a million followers. Does he have on, long hair? No. Okay. No, he's like six eight, short hair. From I can't remember because I know Jordan Ohio? Sanford from here. I used to skateboard with him. Oh uh, no, no, this guy's from from the states. He does like car TikToks. Yeah. He's yeah. got like a million followers. And um, he had like a million followers on TikTok and then 30,000 on Facebook. And his lifetime earnings from two months on Facebook was more than his like year plus on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. With 30,000 followers versus a million followers with more views on TikTok than yeah. Facebook. And it was like significantly Is higher. it like a, a short-term bonus or is that the forever structure? Do you know? I'm not entirely sure. I would imagine that's not going to last forever. Well, no. TikTok is horrible mm-hmm. for paying. So like it's not that... It couldn't last forever. I'm just curious if like Facebook's juicing it. I would expect them. I would if I were to put money on it. I would put money that they're juicing it to yeah. entice more creators to come over. Yeah. But what they really need is not just for a big creator to come over. What Facebook needs in this case is they need somebody new to start and pop off. They need their version of a Charlie D'Amelio who proves it's possible to go from zero to being something and making a ton of money because that makes it attractive to everybody else to start creating. It doesn't mean anything if Logan Paul starts on Facebook and gets 2 million followers. Of course, he's Logan Paul. It's going to take that new person to come over. It's like I listened to the guy who founded musically before tiktok talking about their strategy yeah. and he like laid it out he, he explained it like countries like if you're gonna like from europe to to north america like back in the day people didn't like that's a dangerous track to yeah. jump from somewhere you're comfortable in europe to north america but as soon as you start realizing that there's opportunity in north america yeah. you can make money in north america yeah. you can change the trajectory of your family yeah. in north america yeah. people start making that trip because they realize there's opportunity yeah. no one's gonna but be- isn't that the mindset of you have to pick one what do you mean if pick one? Channel? Not channel, but I'm talking about like if, for example, your neighbor across the street, mm-hmm. they just use Instagram like a regular person. They use TikTok like a regular person. Yeah. If they start posting on Facebook and they're trying to be a creator, then they could post on Instagram and TikTok too. But if they start posting on Facebook as a creator and they have success with no, like, with no history of success as a creator, if they can do that, that's proof to everybody else who's trying to grow that Facebook is a place where you can grow your platform. Like the same way TikTok's where you've had your biggest growth, but it's also like there's trickle down to all the other platforms. You can still do that, but no one's making Facebook that main pillar. Yeah. Like it's not the forefront of anybody's sweat. Well, it might be, but like most people's strategy is not Facebook. Yeah. And so you need to prove that somebody new can come over and make Facebook the, like the core pillar and grow off of it to attract everybody else. Yeah. I think that's going to be. I don't know if that make does that make sense. I feel like it I'm does, kind of it does, it all does. over the place. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate. I'm curious to see your approach to Facebook. Is it just going to be taking the TikToks? I mean, I know we're two days into you. At first, at first, why not? Right when you have 500 sitting there, just tell the team, "Hey, let's go. Just start posting. Why not? There's no downside." Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen on Shorts, it it didn't really work. Like we had videos pop here and there, but consistently no. Uh, Pinterest, I feel like we were doing it wrong to be honest, but didn't pop. Reels can't get anything to pop. So I think the just repurpose, 
at least for my content, for whatever reason, is not hitting. But to be honest, I haven't explored it enough. Like I haven't looked at it and been like, okay, what are other people doing? Um, but I think for me, like a big shift I'm going to go into is making my personal brand my second biggest priority behind modern marketing. And so um, because my personal brand feeds modern marketing and I have so much opportunities through my personal brand and I love it. Like this is fun. You know what I mean? And so the next step for me is to really kind of do V2 of my personal brand of like, what does it look on more channels? How do we systemize more channels? Mm-hmm. And so does that mean, so if you're me focusing on, so if it's going to be modern marketing one, your personal brand two, cash and marketing three, does that mean also finding additional ways to monetize off the personal brand? Or is that still just feeding them like up into modern marketing? Yeah. Like I think additional ways to monetize, isn't that complicated? Like I really struggle to want to offer a product through me. Um, I don't know why I struggle with it. I think there's a bad taste in my mouth from seeing certain people offer certain products and I just don't want to be in that category. Um, but I think like the easiest way for me to monetize is get speaking. Um, and I think virtual speaking is like amazing. Like show up, um, especially virtual speaking where like you can just Q&A it. That's what I told someone the other day. They asked me to speak and I was like, listen, like, um, I'm happy to give 10 minutes at the beginning about myself, but like you have to ask me questions or the crowd has to ask me questions for 50 minutes after because I don't want to spend hours prepping for this. Like that's not fun to me. Um, and so I see like that becoming, and then the way I think is like, okay, if I want to do more speaking, how do I then craft my TikTok to make me more of a speaker, right? Like what, and that's that's fun for me to like kind of strategize around that. Um but yeah, it's something I, I know is kind of my next evolution, but I'm, I'm early in it. And with the, the Q&A versus like this, you're just giving a speech, like that can get repetitive with a speech and it's not always, like it can be slightly contextual if you know the industry you're talking to, yeah. but it'll never be as contextual if someone asks you a direct question about a problem that they're having. Sure. And a lot of people in the audience. So it, just, it makes a better experience for everybody. Yeah, in theory. It can be seen as lazy, but for me... Um, it's how I, at the end of the day, just want to live my life <laughs> straight up. Like, I just don't want to spend hours prepping for a talk. Like, that puts me to sleep. One of the things that suck energy, whereas being on stage or on camera, give energy. And so I'm comfortable saying no to opportunities if it's not, like, something that's going to give me energy. And back to that giving and taking energy thing, yeah. are you, like – in terms of like are you collecting data on that are you writing that down like have a calendar on the and like write down things like give and take energies or just intuitive for you right now yeah like i haven't gotten to that level um but i will i think like if i need to i think that's like it's like a layer more extreme than i'm currently looking at it Mm. like really like data setting it all and looking for trends and shit but um uh i may get there you make it there because have i told you about rob deerdeck what he did exactly right like that to me is total lunatic stuff but it worked <laughs> some but everyone thinks you're crazy until it works yeah you know what i mean remember when i started my tiktok remember my first video yeah fuck that guy man. 100k in 30 days yeah like to see like what i started with and like the person i've become on that platform now not from a number standpoint but just like from the style of the video 
it's so fascinating. I still, I'm just laughing in my head right now of you walking down these stairs in a suit, <laughs> being like, fuck that guy. It was just like the most like in your face. And no one will ever like, get it. Like, unless you were there from day one, like you just don't know what this means. Yeah. But it's one of the funniest. I had like a seven layer plan to that. It was going to be amazing. But then we realized if you swear, you get shadow banned. And so we had to blow that strategy up. That's another funny thing. That's something we talked about in the first podcast yeah. with shadow bands. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know anything about shadow bands. Like, I, 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 you're like, I don't no. deal with them. And I, I still don't care. Like people hit my comments all the time. They're like, are you shadow banned? Are you shadow banned? I'm like, who cares? Like, what am I going to do? Like call TikTok? Like who cares? Just keep posting. You had a quote in a podcast you did like just yesterday that came out. Oh, you'll do it. I did. What do you think? I, I feel like I crushed it was good. that. It was good. And you know what's interesting? Um, that was filmed uh, April 14th, and it came out yesterday, July 28th, and I predicted the Instagram shift. Like I was like, this is what's going to happen in the feed. This is how they're going to continue to change it. And if you look at Instagram in its current state, it's already happened. That's interesting. Yeah, see, I didn't even pick up on the fact that yeah. that was recorded. Like, you couldn't tell because you were so bang on. Like, that you could have recorded that three days ago. Like, if you, like, I would have yeah. believed you if you'd been I like, know. yeah, we recorded that. That's why I told day. Jamie, I was like, it's a shame that, like, like, and sure, we could, like, tell people it was, like, this was predicted on April 14th, but the, the podcast was actually uploaded yesterday, so there's no, like, proof. But yeah. But it was in that podcast you were talking about, you don't, you like, you don't care about the algorithm. Like, everybody talks about the algorithm. Like, it's this big, scary thing that's going to just ruin them and ruin their content. And you're like, I don't care about the algorithm. I do what I want to do. I do what's best for me. And if the algorithm doesn't like it, so be it. Because I want fans who want me. I don't want to get fans because I pander to an algorithm and then, like, I hate my day-to-day. Like, I don't want to talk about this, but the algorithm will like it. Like, like I said in that pod, I could just do trend alerts. I've watched people grow super fast in marketing that just point and say, this is the hot trend. But do you think I'm smart in marketing for doing that? Probably not. I want people to think I'm a thought leader. I want to get hired for speaking. I want to get hired to run your advertising. I want you to join my modern marketing course. So I'll take 3,000 views of depth because that'll make me a ton of money and make me a real community versus 100,000 that is just like, quick passovers yeah it's not all it's not necessarily about how many people are watching but who's watching and being yeah. and and knowing what you want to be known for because yeah. like you're talking about like you're cool getting three thousand views which for an account with 124k is not as what you think you should be getting no but i know you i and i know you're not just saying this i know you're genuinely comfortable with the fact you're not getting quote unquote as many views yeah. as you should well, be. think about sorry to cut you off mm. but i've had a video do two million views and off of that i mean it might have been twenty thousand followers Right, so when you have a viral video that does that and gets that, you then be like, okay, like I have 120k, but one sixth of that is off of one video that went viral. So like, okay, now I'm kind of really at 100k, and then like maybe like five other videos are like 50k of that. So I'm really only at 50k, and then you start to really like be honest with yourself about like how many core fans do I have, um, and so that's I understand it. You know what I mean, like. And I see the business things on the back end that are coming from it. And that's what I want. I don't need the views. It's because people now, they don't like, no, not a lot of people think that way. They just think I need the attention, I need the views, but they don't stop and think like, they just want to be known, but they don't stop and think what they want to be known for. Yeah. And that's what you've done really well. You know exactly what you want to be known for. I was talking to someone yesterday or Tuesday that, um, you know, super successful person. 
and they're like, I, I want to start my personal brand and I want to crush it. I know you're the guy to like advise me on it. And I was like, honestly, like, because everyone wants to do the same shit. They're like, I want to be talk business. I want to talk mindset. I want to talk. And I'm like, that's nice. But like, everyone wants to just talk about everything and be Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Like, 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 please, 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 before you start producing content, understand how you're going to, if you want to make money, if you want to make money, you don't have to, but if you want to make money, understand what you're going to sell on the back end and then understand what content is going to attract people that would buy that and make that content, right? So if you're a real estate expert as one of the things that you know, and you wrote a book about mindset Okay, you're going to sell the mindset book. Maybe do you do real estate group coaching? Do you have a real estate course people can take? Okay, if, if those are things that you have, um, you want to now think of creative ways to create content that are going to point to those, right? So you might not talk about your family, let's say, because you don't have anything that are for parents on the back end. Um, and I think that that's, once again, starting at the end. What is it going to point to, right? And I really told them to do that because i'm like man a lot of people start they get it they get their follows they get their views but then they hit a point where they're like man like i'm spending a lot of money i'm getting a lot of attention but nothing is coming back money wise right and so if you start with that in mind you don't have to rebuild you don't have to then reevaluate and be like oh shit i need to do this but now i have a hundred thousand followers but they don't even care about what i'm gonna do and they're gonna leave and then the algorithm won't like that and like like please from the start just know what you want to do on the back end. And the alternative to trying to rebuild it all as you're doing it is you have those 100,000 and now you're trying to make products that pander to that 100,000 that you don't care about. Yeah. But that's even why I started modern marketing. I could have pushed modern marketing through Hayden Cash in, but I didn't want that to be my personal brand. Even though I started, I had 100,000 and I started from zero with an eight week span to sell people or else the company dies. And we started from zero. Because I want, I didn't want modern marketing to be me. I'm, I'm only the face of that company because of convenience. Because we know I can go on camera and do a good job. In the future, you'll see me five percent of the content. Mm. What about back to your your hundred thousand with your first your first account? Uh-huh. You said you were gonna do a hundred thousand in thirty days. It took uh-huh. longer than that. Yep. Still an impressive amount of time to go from zero to hundred. Two hundred seventy five days. Be your public on record. This is gonna take me. 30 days. Yeah. What's your comfort level with, with calling your shots so publicly and not making it's, it? And I would say it's about somebody else, but my mind instantly said it's a genius move. And the reason it's a genius move is because there's no loss. There's no downside. If you do it, you get the applause, congrats. But if you don't do it, you get to storytell the story of adversity and struggling and overcoming challenges and failing. And people almost love you more because of that. I almost, I, I, I knew there was a high chance I failed, but I was like, I'm just going to tell the story of failure and how it didn't stop me, right? And so when you see life as storytelling, there's really no downside. There's a quote. This one, this one fucked me up when I listened to this last night. I didn't catch this when we did our podcast. Yeah. Like this, this is episode 100. This gets me so fired. What did I say? And I listened back to it. It just hit me. I was like, literally when I, I, I listened to 
both of them yesterday on double speed, but it still took me like an hour and a half. And I was just shooting hoops for an hour and a half, listening and like stopping to write That's down so notes cool. as you as you say anything. But it's this your life, like, eh? As a podcast host, us, usually, shoot hoops, double speed, listen. Usually it's FIFA. I'll be playing, <laughs> I'll be playing FIFA, but focusing on the audio. Love but it. um, but no, you said talking about like this. We're more so talking about regret because I know that's something that you are definitely against. And something we talked a lot about last time, so we don't have to go deep into it. But you said you'll never know the alternative unless you absolutely lose everything. You'll think it was the right decision. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. Because I've never heard anybody who has done anything that gets to a place and goes, oh, but I really wish I did that other thing six years ago. Like for the most part, it's like you hear people say, yeah, I had adversity. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Exactly. But it's because they know no different. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, it was the framing of that, that like, you don't want the regret of not, yeah, people regret what they don't do. People regret not doing something, you don't regret doing something for the most part. 100%. Is there anything you regret though, right now? No, because I don't think anything's binary. I think a lot of people think this decision is make or break. So I'm going to go live in Miami at the first quarter of next year. And the reason I'm not worried about it is because if I don't like it, I can fly home four days later. Like, even though I just said I'm going to go for a quarter, I can fly home four days later. So there's no downside, right? Yeah, of course, you might lose a little bit of money, whatever. But in real life, it's not that big a decision. I just hop a flight back home and, and life's back to normal. And so I think people, you know, the, the way I look at it is like, I have to do it because I know what living here is like. So if I don't experience what that is, that's regret. I have to experience it. I'm almost letting myself down if I don't try it, right? And so that's how I always see the world is just like no decision is is binary. Like lots of people get divorced. I want to talk more about the move to Miami cool. because I talked to you, I'm trying to think how long ago this was, three months ago, four months ago. So it was like probably shortly after you got back from LA and you were like, I don't want to move. Like yeah. you're very much into your routine. Yeah. What was the shift where now you're like, I have to experience Yeah, Deepak called me out. He was like, it's a limiting belief. He's like, what you're saying is a limiting belief. It, you, you, you say you don't like travel, but I, he was basically saying you need to travel more before you're allowed to say that. And, and he was right. Honestly, like I was making up an excuse for why I shouldn't try to do more stuff. Um And I think on top of that, Deepak's moved uh, to the U.S. Well, living in the U.S. kind of thing. Jamie's done the same thing. Sahil's done the same thing. And when they come back to Ottawa and I see them, they are radiating is the word I use. They are just so inspired, so excited about life. Um, and, And every time they come back to Ottawa, they all say like, it just feels like, the energy sucked out of them while they're here and they they can't wait to get back out um even sahil was saying um he's like man i feel like i'm like um in the locker room right now like as soon as i get back to dubai i feel like i'm in the game right and deepak was he kept saying he's like man ottawa's where dreams go to die is what he kept saying and it hit me because i it, it i agree you know what I mean? I look around and there's really nothing inspirational going on here. And I think I owe it to myself to go see what the other side's like. I agree. I mean, I also just left. You just left. Yeah. So, and loving where I'm living now in Toronto. That's right. It. And so it's, it's cool. And it's, it's also like, I like that 
you're giving yourself that opportunity. You know what I mean? And you're not like, cause I feel like a lot of people, they like, they feel like they have to keep promises, even if they're subconscious promises that they made to their younger selves and they don't let themselves grow out of that. Like your needs are going to change, but younger, you might've wanted one thing. So you still think you have to do that thing to, to please your younger self mm. and who you used to be yeah. instead of trying to please who you are now. Yeah. So I think I'm glad that you're, you've made this call. And once again, it's almost the easiest call to make because like, I can always just come back. Like there's, there's really, the only risk is if I didn't do it. It's a safer bet. Yeah, but to me, it's just like you don't have data. Like I like I, I said, I have enough data here. I know what this is like. Let me go try Miami and maybe I'll get enough data that's like, oh, I do prefer Ottawa. I want to be with my friends. I want to be with my family. Maybe I will. But until I go get that data, I'm just like, I'm kind of living in a regret if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's being comfortable with going there and then realizing you like Ottawa. You know sure. what I mean? Because like for a lot of people, it's like they want to, they have a picture of who they want to be in their head and it's not who they are. And they try to force themselves into that that picture yeah. of who they think they should be, at least doing things they don't want to do, 100%. moving cities if they don't want to. I mean, I've never lived anywhere other than here for a prolonged period of time. So I owe it to myself to try. What else do you owe it to yourself? Like beyond just moving? I think I owe it to myself to give myself this space to re um recreate myself right now you know a lot of people you know always tell me they're like man you worked so hard like you deserve a break like you know what i mean and i even yesterday on the call i was just like i was telling my client i was like you know what do you think about me taking a real vacation and and they knew what i meant i've never really been on vacation in like five six years and like not thought about work the whole time you know could you yeah I think that's what I mean is now allowing my space, myself the space to reestablish myself. What do you mean by reestablish yourself? You know, setting maybe boundaries, maybe having, you know, certain balances, um, maybe doing certain practices. Like this is what I mean is I, I'm going to evolve and learn over this next period, however long it takes. And that will be how I reestablish myself. And it may be something simple. It may be like, man, I just really need to go on a hardcore vacation every quarter. That could, it could be as simple as that. It may be like, man, I really need to figure out my diet. It may be a multitude of, I need to meditate and have a therapist and do the diet and do vacate. Like, that's what I mean is like, I'm just need to allow myself the space to evolve. Cause I think for so long, I've been so proud of who I am that like, I didn't want to change. And I think my body is now forcing me to change. Right. Or, or just like ask myself questions. Had your body not told you it was time to change would you because no no because no, i loved it yeah i i wish i could still keep going my, my i just don't have the energy i'm exhausted and that's that's why i couldn't pinpoint the problem it's because it was just exhaustion there was nothing actually a singular thing wrong it was everything i was doing in my life i was exhausted i didn't even want to talk so how do you make sure you don't fall back to that then <sighs> figure that out a lot so how does this conversation go if we sit down again in two years from now yeah how do you think the conversation goes i'll tell you my story i'll tell you if if in two years it's fixed i'll tell you how i fixed it if in two years i'm 70 percent of the way i'll tell you how i got to 70 percent of the way like at the end of the day i'm just going to tell you the story i can't tell you what it's going to be like in two years because i don't know what it'll be like in two years maybe we'll be in miami Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll be, be in LA. Maybe. Maybe we'll be in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
how often do you look back on the whole journey? Mm. I don't. I actually like don't have a great memory like that for stuff like that. So a lot of times, like like when you were telling me about the podcast, I was like, oh, really? I said that. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, no, I don't look back because for me, like it's just it doesn't really matter. Like I'm very not driven by goals by singular goals. I very much just want a fucking to love my day to day. Right. And so for me to like look back on things, like I don't really get excited on any particular thing to look back on. Like if you ask me what I'm most proud of, I would actually say how we pulled off modern marketing in eight weeks. That blew my mind. I didn't, to the the extent we did it and what we went through to do it, in the moment it didn't seem crazy. In hindsight, it was bananas. When were those two months? When? Yeah. March, mid-March to to mid-May. Yeah, and funny enough, right, from a burnout standpoint, somebody told me something really good. They're like, when you're in chaos, you're in fight or flight. But sometimes when the chaos subsides is when it all hits you. And I think I that actually drained me to, to the core, but I didn't feel it till it was over. That was going to be my question. Was modern marketing that, that eight-week sprint? I think that much content, man, was insanity like 30 videos a week plus posting it like it it destroyed me right and you got to realize this is like my side company mm-hmm. that was my question was gonna be was that the tipping point because that that timeline is gets you very close to your birthday yeah because i remember after that i swore like i would never do that again from a production standpoint um unless it was like my my full-time job um i just couldn't do that as a side thing like sal was there he'll he'll tell you it was not so Although we got so efficient, like by the last shoot, I think it was we shot thirty videos in fifty-two minutes. I believe it. I believe yeah, it. Crazy. I've never done that volume. My record was twenty-one in fourteen. Yeah, that was my my record. But yeah. I I believe it. Yeah. But so then, how do these two things exist? Eight weeks to modern marketing is the proudest thing you've ever done. Yeah. You're never gonna do that again. Yeah, and like, it's actually. It's what we accomplished in that eight weeks. I couldn't imagine a like I, before I accomplished it. I couldn't because to be honest, we really accomplished it in five weeks because the first three weeks we struggled and we 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 made one switch and we fixed the whole like nine x the whole situation. And to me, I was like, man, like that made me feel like I got business, like. Like me and my partner, it's not just me, but we problem solved and actually like it worked and like it was make or break and we didn't know what we were doing. Like it was kind of crazy. And so that's actually what I'm most proud about. Um, It just took a lot out of me, but the content wasn't the problem. If that makes sense, they're almost, they're very separate to me, like producing the content and posting the content is not what I'm most proud of. It's we made a change in the product and it was kind of genius the way we did it and it worked like crazy. And like coming from my background, I've never thought much about product because in an agency, um, the product's kind of defined like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, like 
there's not much you have to really like figure out like it's already kind of the, the product in modern marketing we had our paintbrush like we could do anything we wanted and so we were thinking marketing and sales and we were doing such a good job but it wasn't working and then we were like well we we looked at it and we were understanding on the sales front people were having certain objections and they were right and we couldn't combat them because they were right and so what did we do? We took our one product and we created four products that actually combated the objection. And so now people would hit us with the same objections, but instead of trying to talk our way through it, we actually, oh, perfect. Well, this is the product for you then. Now what do they do? And so it worked, man. It was it was so cool to see because like intuitively I was like, man, I know this marketing is good. And I don't know sales, but my partner's a salesperson. I would be on the calls and I'd be like, I don't see what he's doing wrong. He's, In my opinion, I'm like, he's doing a great job. And so then we looked at the product and we kind of rolled the dice and was like, we think this is the issue. We have five weeks to pull this off now. And it was. There's one thing I want to push back on that you said right at the beginning of that whole tangent. Cool. You said it was really five weeks. Yeah. But I think those first three weeks should be counted because... Five weeks of success. Five weeks of success, but the whole thing was still eight weeks. And I don't want you to think that just because something isn't working doesn't mean you're not putting the work in and it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. No, but what I'm proud of is that decision at week three to four, like us really sitting down and not being like, hey, just market more, just sell more. It was like, nah, like there's something wrong here. And we both saw something that we'd never addressed before. And like I said, like this, these decisions were like time bound. Like if, if we test this decision and two weeks we find out it wasn't solved, now we have three weeks to figure this out. And it was, that's, I'm so, like I'll never forget that moment because I intuitively was like, this is so the answer. And he, and he said, my partner will tell you, we were on a call and I built out a matrix in front of him of objection and product and started literally hand building every single product so that no matter what they said boom you insert it and he watched me build it us and i was like Sam, like le- like my brain's just going right now and i figured it out and and we agreed to do it and it was just like it just gave me a lot of confidence that like you know this was something new for me that's why it gave me a lot of confidence was because like i just i, I knew it you know what was that moment where it clicked what do you mean Like when you start building that matrix, like what happened for you to see it and build that out? So I started asking him, I'm like, okay, what's, what's the problem here? Right. And so for those who don't know, it's a a 10 week intensive course, 18 hours a week, live sessions. You learn all these marketing skills and then we uh, set you up with interviews with companies. Okay. So when we were pitching it, um, the two core objections were, I don't have the time. I don't have 18 hours a week, even though it's built outside of a nine to five schedule. Um, they're like, I don't have 18 hours a week. And the other thing was, I don't want to learn everything. So I don't want to do every module. I only want to learn this, this, and this. Well, originally we only had one product. And so it was like, they would say that and it's like, okay, well it is 18 hours and you do have to learn everything. So, you know, there's there's only so much selling you can do. So what we then did was build three other products um, that was like, you can just buy the recordings. Um, you can just buy... Um, a la carte live sessions and you can just buy um, singular recordings so all the recordings singular recordings or a la carte live sessions 
And so then I built a matrix of like um, saying they do have the time. They don't have the time. Um, they do want to learn everything. They don't want to learn everything. So if they do have the time and do want to learn everything, then they get our top product. If they don't have the time uh, but want to learn everything, they get all live recordings. If they don't have, um, you know, want to learn everything but have the time, they get this. And if they, and boom, now all four products fit into no matter what they said, it's slotted right in. And then we define them on the call and SM went to work, man. And this was really when I was starting to experience my burnout, right? Like I said, to May 15th. So I was kind of a couple weeks in. And luckily, I'd kind of done my part. All the videos were recorded. The marketing was crushing. Like we were, we got 65,000 followers in that eight-week period. Like it was working. Um, and I remember Sam started texting me, closed one, closed two, closed one today. This person bought this. And I'm like, no way. Like not no way, but just like that worked. You know, it was validating to you as, as an operator. It was just like, man, like it once again was like, I like me and Sam worked as a team, but like, we've really figured it out. I was like, man, like you, you feel unstoppable when, when you have a moment like that. Um, especially because we both agreed the marketing's working, the selling's working, like he's doing a great job. And so it was just really cool to just kind of go intuitively and actually nail it in a make or break kind of moment. The duality there is interesting of at that point in time, you're in a very tough place, still are, but you also feel unstoppable at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and once again, like I feel the exact same. I just don't have the energy. That's the hardest part is like, I want to run. I want to go fast. I want to build but my brain can't even think right now. It's a heart and head thing. And so I'm still the same person. This is what I always reassure people when I talk to them is like, nothing's changed to me. I just literally like have no energy. I'm just trying to think of, because it's tough, right? Because I think everyone naturally in this situation, they want to give advice. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you gave the, like a good, you gave the good advice at the beginning is that like, it's going to be an individual thing that you have to figure this out on your own. So, and I think a lot of people don't even realize too, like post going through something like this, that like, well, they, what they did worked, so it's going to work for everybody. Mm. I think a lot of people don't realize that either. That like everyone has to go through this individually and the solution itself is going to be individual. Like everyone's going to have a different solution to this. hundred percent. And s- somebody might figure it out in three months because they just happened to try the right things first. And other people might take years because it takes them longer to find the right things. And that's why like, I can see the micro and the macro at the same time. Is that scary that it might take longer than you think? No, because I'm very, I'm very uh, patient with myself. I've always been. Um, it's more just like I don't want to let people down. So that's kind of why I said earlier, like I'm just not going to take on things because I don't want to have to tell them I can't do it. And once again, it's hard because sometimes you go on a run of like a week of feeling amazing. You're like, I'm back. And then, because that's what happened. Yesterday I had a horrible day, but probably the 10 days prior, amazing. I hung out with my brother, best friend, crushed work, feeling energized, and then right back. And so I think I got, I can't be jumping the gun. Well, I want to say that I appreciate you for, despite everything, that you still decide to do this with me today. I needed to, because I want this on camera. But even like on the back of, of a tough day, 
Like I would have a hundred percent. If I was, if I'd pulled up in the driveway and you'd been like, dude, I can't do it today. I would have yeah. been like, okay. You know what I mean? Well, you're the best. That's why. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I like, I appreciate it. And I, and I sent you the message too. Like when I reached out to you, cause I was like, I didn't want to bug you about it either. Cause yeah. like, obviously like it's important to me that we got to do this one together. Yeah. Like there's nobody else other than like Gary that I could see for like 200. And if that had happened, you would have been 199. <laughs> yeah. Like there was no way you weren't going to be here in these last couple episodes. Yeah. And so I sent you that message, but I told you too, like it was important to me that you were here, but it's more important to me that you're okay. Yeah. And so I'm just glad that we got to make this happen and yeah. that, that you're willing to do this. Of course. And like, I wanted to do this podcast with you like this one. I'm not going to go on other podcasts and talk about this, but I wanted to do this with you. Cause I knew like, you know me well enough that like, it would just be almost like we're just talking about it as friends as if we're having a phone call. Um, but I knew I want this in the world because I do think when I fix it and when I evolve in years from now, I want to, I know people are going to come up to me and be like, dude, that podcast you did like helped. And that'll be something that someone says to me in seven years. And like, that's why I'm pumped. I'm glad I'm going to ask you the last question that I ask everybody. Not this again. At the end of every interview. You can do the same one. I've done it every <laughs> every single podcast. I've asked this question. What's something the question. world should know? Is that it or something? No. Okay. <laughs> so if you were to have a for the last question, I'd like to flip the script a little bit. So instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question, but it's not to me. Mm-hmm. Pretend you have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. You can ask this crystal ball any question. You'll get the 100% honest answer. What is one question you want to know the answer to? Hmm. when will we do the next episode i like it and there will be yeah there will definitely be another one. Oh, it has to be there has to be and there will be yeah but i want to thank you man not just for today but for everything like you were guest one guest you were you interviewed me at 50 right after my 50th episode you were guest 100 you interviewed me after me my 100th episode you also we did i think it was probably like if i remember correctly episode between episode 21 and 22 we did the New York City precap. The best. That that one. was a fun episode. That was fun. Like I love listening back to that because there's some nuances to it that I like totally forget. But we story told like on the day of, and like you'd be like, "Oh shit, that did happen." Like me telling the story of the Uber driver. I don't even remember. Remember uh, the Uber driver picked us up from the airport and took us to the hood. Oh yeah, I actually Dude, was telling someone about that. Recently. Me telling that story on the podcast with doing the voice and stuff brings me back to that moment, man. I I was crying laughing. That guy made my heart sink more than any other person in the world because we're driving through a questionable neighborhood. And like, it's okay. We're going to get to our Airbnb. It's all going to be good. We pull up. He goes, oh, you guys in the hood, and then takes off. And yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. good times. Remember, remember he goes, a lot of homicides here. Yeah. A lot of homicides. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I've never been outside the country. It's the funniest moment. Oh, man. That, that trip. And even just that, man. Like, you've been very supportive with me, like, throughout this whole thing. Like, yeah. I can even remember when I first moved downtown Ottawa. I was, like, three episodes in, and we met at a Starbucks on Elgin and Lisker, I think. And we were, like, you were showing me, like, Vice News, how they covered our Instagram clips. Right. Like, from, like, very early on. I was, doing, I was doing that research for CPAC. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And even just like being the first guest, I remember coming to you with like, I was like, yeah, you want to be on my podcast? And you're like, what's your podcast about? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't figured it out. You're like, we'll figure it out first. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay. And then I kind of came, I had an idea and then you were, you were all game. I mean, dude, this is, it's so cool for me, right? Like, like we were just coworkers at OSEG and you said you want to start a podcast interviewing uh, 
people who have grown on social media and I had a little bit of a following at that time and I was like, okay, well, I'll be your first guest. Um, but to see where you took it, because the whole original goal is like 15 episodes, we'll go to New York and we'll do that, right? Mm. But to see like where it's now taken your life, right? It's like such a good feeling for me to be like, man, like I'm so glad that I was the guy that got to be the first part of that journey and then throughout that journey and then now being able to be like the ending of that journey like i feel blessed mm -hmm. right but there was no doubt in my mind that like you would be really good at that and i'm just glad that you had the passion to keep it going and see it through and and now it's taken you to so many different places and know so many people uh so so many people in so many you know different you know areas mm -hmm. and it's kind of i remember telling you just like i don't know how this podcast is going to change your life maybe you do become joe rogan through it but if you don't like i always thought what would happen is you'd interview someone and then the person you interviewed would then be the the point that takes you to that next level like hey i want you to come be the vp of marketing at my company and it, it, it's a startup that takes off like i didn't know how but i thought it'd be a guest but i think it's just the kind of the ecosystem you created the aura around yourself that you created then allowed the right people to headhunt you and be like, we need you. Well, you're still not technically wrong because mm. this new opportunity, which I'll do like the full breakdown next week of everything that's going on, all the moving pieces, but like yeah. it was a podcast guest. Oh, was it? Yeah, episode 95. Zach Honover, who I mentioned earlier, was my 95th oh, guest. And he I called a guest. Me, and he Let's was go. like, hey, like, I called it. <laughs> you did. And it was even crazier. So like you called it, but also Elliot Robinson. So we, I think we're going to interview him in New York, but it didn't work out. But he's a guy who started Dunk. He's like one of Buster's yeah, buddies. Um, oh yeah, because he came to Ottawa and did the LinkedIn talk that you went to that one time. Mm -hmm. um, but I interview him, and he's like, "You need to get like a complex or someone to to like to, to host their show." And I was like, "Okay, yeah. I don't know how the fuck to do that, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're not wrong." Yeah. He's like, "Also, I think you should interview my friend Zach Honover." And he interviewed introduced me to Zach Honover, who had a company that asked me to come host their show. Yeah. And so it's just like, and you know what the crazy part is too, is that this podcast created the system to create the reps to actually make you the person that that person would want to hire and give the opportunity to. So not only did it connect you, but it it educated and built you. A hundred percent. I was thinking on that like today when I was driving over here because I've been like taking time to stop and think about all the show and what it's been, and it's like everything of where I live, what I do. Most of the people I know all comes back to the show. Yeah. I was twenty years old when I started it. Yeah. You were 22 when you were on that podcast. Crazy. It's like, it's wild. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm wearing the same outfit. And I, I think what's inspirational for you to tell people is like, you've done X amount of hours of this pod and you've gotten 50,000 downloads, which in your words is not a lot, but that didn't matter. It's, you know, exponentially exploded your life in so many ways. And I think that is a great insight for people that the downloads don't matter. It's the connection, it's the skills, um, it's the happiness. It's like moments like this too. Like it's I feel like it's been the best thing that ever happened to you. I think so. It's hard to argue against it. Yeah. Cause it's like sometimes I'm like, Am I just crazy? You are. Oh, I am. Four I haven't I haven't stopped. Yeah. It's been four years. No nice. every week. Except for like when I moved downtown Ottawa, I was like between episode three and four, but that was it. Uh -huh. I have been consistent since episode four. I was I was two bi-weekly like every two weeks until for between one to six and then a seven to eight was weekly and I haven't missed I've been every single week since then you deserve it bro you and did it been, you put in the reps like I said man that was supposed to be a thank you to you for everything so and I've been like keeping asking questions because like I don't think I just I think I just don't want this specific podcast itself <laughs> with you yeah. right now to end yeah. but I think this is a good place to end it 
I agree. And I, I just want to thank you again for everything. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you for taking time to check this out. Even if this is your first episode or if this is your 200th episode, thank you so much for the support. If you want to do me a big favor, go and follow Hayden on Instagram, on TikTok. Everything linked in the show notes down below, including a link to register for Modern Marketing. Whether you're somebody who has the time and wants to learn everything or you're somebody who doesn't have the time but wants to learn everything, there's a package there for you no matter what your needs <laughs> are. Amazing. So that'll be linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me everywhere on social media at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello my dms are always open as always today's podcast is powered by surf thank you once again for listening we'll talk soon proud of you bro love you thank you man. love you too